Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. This is Kelly. And this is Katie. And we're back. And today's lesson, again, as I'm just calling them lessons now. It's just how I've changed my verbiage. <laughs> it's not even a podcast episode. It's a lesson, everyone. And you better be reverent for it. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> but the lesson comes to you again from Kelly. And um, I have a feeling that this is going to be amazing. <laughs> so, Kelly, why don't, you, why don't you tell the people what you have and what we're going to be hearing today? <laughs> Okay, you guys. So after my freshman year at BYU, I was asked to speak at Stake Conference. Oh. Um, Gilmer, Texas. Yeehaw. Uh, <laughs> I was asked to speak at Stake Conference about service um, and, you know, why we should serve others. And I have not only the talk, but I have all of my notes, all of the backup that I used to create the talk together. Uh. Again, not a hoarder, I swear. <laughs> not a hoarder. This is just in her special memory box. Um, <laughs> I want to say, though, that like being asked to speak at state conference is a big deal because uh, if, you, if you didn't grow up Mormon, what that is is um, it's not just like your usual meeting your, with your ward. There are a bunch of wards that form a stake and... So when it's state conference, all of them gather. And so there's way more people. And I feel like there would be more pressure at, to speak at those. Like, Yeah. And you know what? I just remembered. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So I totally, this is the, the talk that I gave at BYU State Conference, too. Oh. Because I was asked to speak at uh, BYU State Conference. And then I was asked to speak at uh, Gilmer State Conference. And I was like, I'm using the same talk. Oh. Smart That's girl. why I saved it. Okay, now I know. You're a hot commodity being asked twice. I mean, you know, <laughs> what can I say? And now for a third time, I think this is the third <laughs> state conference. <laughs> the heathen yes. state conference. <laughs> yes. So um, I'm just going to like dive into it and just read parts of my talk and then... Um, and then we'll we'll go from there. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. It truly is a privilege to be able to stand before you all today and speak at this state conference, which I spelled that wrong. And that really annoys me. <laughs> I'd like to begin my talk today with a quote from Russell C. Taylor. And it's this quote about how Jesus washed people's feet, not their hands or face. He washed their feet and he's the server, you know, whatever. And so it says, Christ was a perfect example to us and taught many things we must do in order to live with him and Heavenly Father again. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest principles he taught is to love one another. How do we show this love? Through service, which my Through friends. Through washing people's feet. <laughs> yes. My friends, service is underlined. Just so Oh. You know. So you need to like emphasize that yeah. emphasize service <clears throat> Christ's washing of the disciples feet is only one out of hundreds of examples of Christ serving others, which I don't even really think there are hundreds in the Bible. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't ever counted, but and I'm that, not going to. No, I don't got time for that. <laughs> okay. The Savior repeatedly taught us to serve others, but he especially emphasized the importance of service in his parable of the sheep. And the goats, which is found in Matthew. <clears throat> My friends, I will not read that to you, but in this parable, Christ explained that at the final judgment, all nations will be gathered before him. Just as a shepherd divides his sheep from his goats, the Savior will divide the nations into two groups, one on his right hand and the other on his left. Now, the difference between the two groups is the ones on the right lovingly served their fellow men, which I'm assuming means their sheep. Which and the ones on the left did not the goats. Okay. When the Lord divides everyone at the final judgment, he will say to those on his right, which is found in Matthew something, something or <clears throat> go to my notes. <clears throat> he said that the people on his right are the ones who uh, have done unto the least of my brethren. You know what you've done to the least of my brethren. You've done it unto me. And the ones on the left, which is the bad side in as much as he did not 
to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. So one of our greatest responsibilities is to reach out with love to our fellow men. <clears throat> okay, but already, already that parable is like dividing people, like the good and yes. the bad. And I, when you were saying that the left is the bad, the goats, I remembered a little memory that oh, good. came into my mind that I heard um, being taught that you're not supposed to take the sacrament with your left hand because that's like the bad hand. <laughs> oh I don't my know if, gosh. Yeah, I don't know if that's anywhere in scripture or doctrine, but I was taught that as like a child. From that a I think Katie is like <laughs> the perfect example of a sidewalk cupcake. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. If you want more sidewalk cupcakes, go to Patreon. <laughs> yes, Patreon is full of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, I said, you know, exactly what is, entails being on his right hand. Are we supposed to hold a monthly canned food drive or visit a nursing home every day for a year? Not necessarily. <laughs> Not necessarily. While those are both great things, one can take advantage of small situations you see every day to serve. <clears throat> mm-hmm. The Prophet Joseph Smith... <laughs> Oh, J-Dog makes an appearance. Okay. The the Prophet Joseph Smith is one of our greatest examples, Katie, of someone who was constantly concerned about the needs of others. (laughs) Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) I would would argue that Joseph Smith was maybe one of the most selfish. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's really I funny. know, and I tell this story about this woman talked about the prophet and how um, she and her brother were playing in the mud and they got their shoes dirty and he wiped their shoes clean. Oh my God, this uh, this fascination in the, in the Mormon church and in other churches too, but with like cleaning of the feet. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's it's interesting to me. It's like oh, that's the high one of the higher levels of service is cleaning someone's shoes. Okay. it's wild um but just so you know this simple act of service shows how much the prophet joseph smith (laughs) loved his fellow men and christ (laughs) it's like it's almost like they put him on on such a pedestal that it's like can you even believe that someone that amazing that prophetic you know that close to god would stoop down and clean your feet. Cause it's like, if anyone else does it, it's, I don't know. It seems like a more grandiose thing when it's, when it's Joseph Smith doing it because of how much they revere him. Well, yeah. And he was probably like, God damn it, kids. Don't be tracking mud up in my fucking church. <laughs> yeah. It needs pieces of shit. Delightsome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this leads me to <clears throat> a quote by our favorite Brigham Young. Oh, He said, and I quote, we must go on until we are perfect, loving our neighbor more than we love ourselves. It is folly in the extreme for persons to say that they love God when they do not love their brethren. So, oh, and we wonder where our perfectionism like comes from. Yes. And this is what I'm going to deep dive into um, later is how this like totally fucked me up like this whole concept of having to serve and put others needs before your own and be perfect and And yeah everyone comes before you and I also want to point out the irony the the pure irony that Brigham Young would say you need to love your fellow brethren when he preached blood atonement so I know Among many other things, right? The Mountain Meadows Massacre. um, All of his racist doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So how do we show our love? Through daily acts of service. Now, that's all I'm going to read of my my talk, because then I just go on and and just do scriptures and shit. So... um, (laughs) do scriptures (laughs) so there's actually a quote in here that said um it's it's by the same richard g oh i'm sorry this is russell c taylor i don't even know who that is but um he said service is the rent we pay for our own room on earth oh yes 
We should know that the rent is due on a daily basis and know that the receipt is never stamped paid in full because the rent service in God's kingdom is again due today and due tomorrow. Holy shit. Okay. That's wow. That's a lot. And that's giving the, in my opinion, the wrong kind of motivation to serve. You're not serving from the goodness of your heart and wanting to better humankind. You're serving because it's your it's your rent owed and yeah. you're obligated to do it. And exactly, exactly. And you have to do it with a good heart and love your neighbors better than you love yourself. And I mean, you know, we're we're going into this era now where mental health is actually people actually think it's important to mm-hmm. have a good mental health and and you know, mental illnesses are not as um stigmatized. And so, you know, this created an insane amount of anxiety and depression and, you know, the perfectionism and stress um, that led to a complete mental breakdown this year. Um, But uh, so the reason is like, you're supposed to serve those you love. Right. But in my mind, it felt conditional. And I interpreted that to mean that you, those you serve will love you. Oh, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, so, I completely agree. It's like you're, um, you're, you're trying to earn their love by yeah. serving them. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so th- there's this quote here. It says, remember this, no man is a failure who has friends. And I thought, that you had to serve to be loved in order to Ugh. have friends. You had to do something to make them like you Ugh. instead of just being yourself. You had to like basically bribe people to, to like you or convince them to like you. Oh, right. Yeah. And that goes for as well as like, you know, dating and having boys, men, you know, like, like you, I feel like I, I almost felt like I owed them something. Oh Yeah. Same with, yeah, friendships and and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And like the inability for me to say no when I'm in some really bad situations is, you know, I I didn't learn how to set boundaries. Boundaries. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, just I'm going to talk about how the teachings about the pure love of Christ like totally fucked me up. Mm. And I think that this is something that people don't really look at the negative side of constantly serving your fellow men um, because you're supposed that's supposed to make you feel good and you're supposed to be selfless and you're not supposed to be selfish and you're always supposed to think about other people and what they think and what they feel and make sure that they're comfortable. And in the meantime, you're completely ignoring your own personal mental health because you're, you're told that you're not supposed to. Right. Like, you have to be happy and you have to love what you're doing and you have to love to serve. And so <clears throat> I have this, this lesson that's in here from, um, I don't even know what book it's from some, Oh, it's like some relief society book, um, uh, serving with the pure love of Christ. Okay. 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 Let's, let's talk about this. So just a little background information. Um, about eight years ago, I, had just, I, I was living in Austin and, um, I had decided I was, I was a cyclist and I was a competitive cyclist and the team that I was on was in Dallas. And I decided I was going to start my own thing in Austin and it was going to be a women's only team. And, you know, I, I hadn't been living in Austin for very long. I was still kind of, um, thinking I was a Mormon at the time. And so, even though I wasn't going to church, I was still, you know, believing in the church. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, so when I started this team, I thought that I had to provide all kinds of things for these girls to stay on my team for these women, because it was a women's only team. Uh-huh. And then it came to me that, you know, I had provided all these, these things. And then these women were on the team. And like, I I couldn't tell if they were on the team because they liked me or if they were on the team because I gave them stuff. And so it just became so toxic. Like I created the most toxic environment for myself because I felt like I constantly had to give more and do more and be better and, you know, provide everything possible in order to keep these athletes on my team. Right. 
And it got to the point where, um, you know, the, the team had grown as far as like we, we started, we were just kind of amateurs, like super amateur. Um, and then eventually it grew to where we were competing at the professional level and, um, you know, over the course of, of eight seasons. And by the time this final season happened, you know, through the course of events, you know, I had different sponsors that would provide, you know, uh, the uniforms, the helmets, the glasses, um, you know, bicycles was a huge thing. If you had bikes, then that meant that you were a real team. Mm-hmm. And um, so in order for me to get the best talent, I would, I mean, I was paying for stuff out of my own pocket because oh. um, I, I felt like I had to in order to keep these people on my team. And, um, you know, that's just like, I get it. The athletes are going to look for, for what's best for themselves. And, um, that's fine. Like they're, they're not, I, I had to remember that these people at this point, when we got to the professional level, these people were not my friends. Yeah. These were like my employees. Right. Really. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, this last year, just like, I mean, Katie and I have been talking about doing a podcast that's called like, I can't make this shit up. Mm-hmm. and or something and then just sharing like stories um uh that you just can't make up yeah, and yeah. I, I got myself into this this really through a series of unfortunate events I was completely um screwed this year I had no money all of my financial sponsors backed out last minute um I had committed uh racers from Australia, from New Zealand, from Austria, from the UK to, to come over and stay in the States and race for me for that year. And I had made all these promises based on these sponsorships that were going to come through. Um, and then when they didn't, I was completely fucked and I did what I should have done. What I, could have done was just say, you know what, you guys, I'm sorry. This just didn't come through. Um, I can't do this. I can't afford this. Um, you're going to have to, you know, pay for yourself, figure it out. Sorry, but I didn't. And I used my life savings to fund the team. I, um, ended up doing these clinics all over the country, you know, serving communities in order to, um, kind of get promoters to give us free race entries. Um, and so I was going around, I literally gave every single bit of myself in order to keep the team going. And then at the end of the season, I, or I'm sorry, middle of the season, it just started. I, something happened at an event and it completely broke me. And, um, I, I still had to continue with going out and doing these clinics because the athletes wouldn't do it without getting paid. Um, so they, they wouldn't like step up and, and take over for me because, you know, they were expecting payment for what they did. Cause they're not my friends. They're my, they're my employees. Yeah. Right. So all of the money that I got from the clinics, I put directly into the team and I, you know, ended up being on FMLA because I had a complete mental breakdown. Um, it, it really made me realize that these teachings that I, that have been ingrained in us since we were little, since we were sunbeams, you know, totally fucked with like over time just grew into this really toxic part of my being that, that created a horrible environment for myself to where I, it led to serious uh, mental illness. Yeah. And um, thankfully, uh, you know, I've been able to, through like psychiatrist, a counselor, through my husband, you know, support from him and my, my mom, like I've been able to really heal and grow um, through this time. But it's just like people don't understand how dark this, this can be. Right. Right. And I don't know, I hope that, you know, this helps other people who are in that situation as we kind of go through what's wrong with understanding the pure love of Christ and how 
how it can lead to really damaging things. I was, oh, I, was yeah. I was literally like, this is me being vulnerable, but I was suicidal because I felt like once I lost the team I had and I, you know, couldn't work, I thought I'd lost everything. And I felt like I was worthless. And I was very close to just not being here anymore, to be completely honest. And um, so I'm I'm just I'm so glad you are here. I'm I'm very touched that you would share that. And I my heart just it's like sinking. But I'm very it's amazing that you're sharing this um, because I know it's going to help so many people. And like, I'm just, I hadn't really thought about the depth of how problematic this teaching is and how it can mess people up forever. Like Mm -hmm. if if they don't get it under control or, or try to work through this, because it really is like, you're just giving, 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 giving until there's nothing left to give because that's what you've been taught is the right thing to do. And that's not it's not the right thing to do. You can't constantly give to people when you don't have anything. Yeah, I had nothing. I was empty and completely hollowed out. And, you know, I will honestly say that I think that me having a competitive cycling team literally ruins my life to the point where I've had to start over from ground zero. Mm. And it sucks, but what has uh, helped me a lot is, you know, doing these podcasts and laughing and, you know, yeah. on the Patreon episodes, especially when we go through my journals, like, <laughs> um, you know, giving myself some love for, for when I was learning those things and, and, you know, yeah. realizing what happened to lead to the point where I was unable to set boundaries and I was unable to say no. And, um, right. So anyway, that was my vulnerable moment. So we will move on. I will be less dark and heavy. (laughs) Oh, that was, no, I, that was amazing. And I just, yeah, I want to say that in going through your journals with you, when you share those entries, it's like you said, it's healing, it's healing even for me. And a huge takeaway that I've learned from those episodes is to give ourselves some grace and love our past selves and, you know, give give what we were giving to others to yes. ourself and, and nurture that part of us that needs healing because we were doing the best that we could. And, you yeah. know, we thought it was the right thing to constantly be giving and sure doing service is great, but not at the expense of your own self. Yeah. 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 And it's like, of course, like, that's just part of me. Like I feel, I feel most and in those clinics, I'm going to be honest, they're the only thing that kept me alive through the summer because I was so low and I would, I would fly out to these clinics. And like, I'm saying I was in bed literally all the time. I would fly out to these clinics and I would, you know, interact with these, they were women's skills and drills clinics for, you know, bicycling, racing. Um, and it was just to kind of help empower women and get them to where they felt stronger and more confident. And in doing that, I was empowering myself. Like I would, I would be like, you know, I'm not going to let everything that's happening to me ruin this one good thing that I've created. And, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to move forward. Like I, I stopped, uh, the racing team and moving forward, I'm going to focus on these clinics and community outreach and things like that, because I still feel like that's where I'm, I'm best is like helping other people, but I'm going to get paid for it this time. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. See, and there's a good boundary that yes. you know that you know you thrive in that situation, but you also need something for yourself and for your time. Yes. And and that's a great yeah, that's a great progression in the right the right direction. Yeah, because I will make it very clear, I did not pay myself ever during the eight years, eight seasons that I I managed and owned the team. And I was the sole person getting sponsorships and wow. you know, financial sponsorships. We're not talking like a hundred bucks. Like we're talking like ten thousand dollars, fifteen thousand uh, oh, dollars wow. know, sponsorships that would cumulatively uh I would have a, a pretty solid budget for taking care of, you know, travel and all the expenses for the team, which they uh-huh. wouldn't have to pay for anything, but I always ended up paying for myself to get there. And wow. anyway. Yeah. That 
I feel like I've gone on too much. So we're going to move on to the pure love of Christ. Okay, let's go. (laughs) All right. So um, how can we describe someone who possesses charity, the pure love of Christ? Mm. What are some of the special characteristics of this love? Number one, charity suffereth long. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's well, the, that's right number directly one. into it. Okay. Yeah, it says, you know, long suffering means bearing with the frailties and mistakes of others, sometimes over long periods of time, without becoming full of hate or bitterness. Okay, this is this is exactly what we talk about when we talk about toxic positivity 101. It's like, yes, you have to suffer through all of this and just be nice and smile and give and give and give. And do not get bitter and do not complain once. <laughs> and do not set boundaries. Yeah, no, let just let them keep taking from you. It said, this is often very difficult to do. There may be situations in which our desires to love purely may require us to suffer from mistakes of others or even sometimes in silence. Oh, wow. I didn't think this would be so straightforward. I mean, I mean this is all like... like I will say this is from like more than 20 years ago. So, but still, I mean, 20 years ago, that's 2002. I, this is when, you know, I would oh, have been hearing this lesson. 2002. I was thinking like 1995. <laughs> I mean, Stop. still within our, within our lifetime. Okay. <laughs> Let's God just damn say it, that. We're not old. <laughs> we are not old. <laughs> uh, yes. So, <clears throat> So, yeah, like my mom, um, she she had kind of a I won't share her story, but she had some issues with her mother and her stepfather. Um, and to, to the point where this man, he was a narcissist and being around him was just super, super hard for my parents and, and very difficult for my mother's mental health. Then they moved across the motherfucking street from my oh. parents. Oh, and. My parents had to act like everything was fine and that they loved them because, you know, this was family. Even though they're toxic and make you feel like shit, you're supposed to just lay down and take it. You know what? That's a great point. That is a really good point. It's like family in the in the Mormon church is everything they say. And you need to love them no matter what all the time. So that leads to lots of abusive and toxic situations where it's like, well, they're my family. I have to love them, even though they did this, 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 this. They make me feel like shit. And you don't really have, well, you don't think that you have a choice to set a boundary or cut ties if you need to. Yeah. You're absolutely right, Katie. And, you know, luckily I was never in a situation where I was abused by a family member. You know, that didn't happen to to me, but I can't imagine people who have been in those situations where they're told to just love, yeah. you know, just, you just have to love them, love them, even though they're hurting you. Oh, yeah. oh, that makes me feel sick. I know. Yeah. Um, so number two, charity is quote kind. Mm. Um, we know that anger, scorn, meanness, or revenge do not work upon men for good. I mean, that's true, but, right, it's but nice that's also sometimes. saying, also how they throw anger in there it's like you're allowed to be angry you're allowed to feel angry right Uh, but they don't want they throw that in with all those other things like vengeance or whatever they said revenge (laughs) and it's like oh well so again um stuffing down your actual feelings don't even if you are angry or hurt or scared just turn it off and (laughs) okay (laughs) be kind um Charity envieth not. And um, so when we allow envy to creep into our souls, we cease to be thankful to God for our blessings. We do. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Not not to us for all of our hard work, but to God. It's like if you see something that you really want, that seems really nice that your friend has and you feel like you would like it. That is just you being ungrateful from what God has given you, even though you gave it to yourself. Sure. makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think a common like reaction to that is, you know, I struggled with being envious. Um, not going to lie. I totes follow the Kardashians um, <laughs> on the grams. <laughs> I don't know 
why that kind of surprises me, but I love it. <laughs> it I know it's it's literally this hidden little nugget that I do not share with many people. <laughs> because like I don't watch the show, but I will read about the show. Okay, okay. Like, I'll read the, the recaps. So that yeah. makes it okay, Katie. <laughs> it, you're reading. It's um it's literature. <laughs> may or may not have entered into one of their sweepstakes. I don't know. Cannot confirm or deny. <laughs> oh, all the things I'm learning about you today. I know. Uh, I'm a mess. Um, uh, so that one, I mean, yeah, sure. You're not supposed to like envy, I guess. I, I mean, that's kind of fair. Like to not be jealous of other people's shit. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's but, a I mean, way to put it. Here's, here's what the thing is, though, is that all of us do that. It's like a natural, it's kind of a natural thing to be like, oh, I would like that or that. I'd like to have her hair or yada, yada, yada. It's like a natural thing that kind of pops into our head because of society, how it's, you know, capitalism, all that shit. But that then that makes you feel bad for feeling those feelings because your church is telling you don't feel that natural thing. Like instead of finding a way to love yourself more and, you know, not, not want to be like anyone else. It's like, well, just don't envy it's like okay well I don't have any tools here (laughs) I know and you know I I imagine it's so hard for teenagers today Uh, oh yeah we didn't have social media no we didn't have these people that we were comparing ourselves to that were filtered I know I was thinking about that the other day like I don't know how well I would do as a teenager now because yeah all we had was like magazines and we we didn't even have digital cameras when I was in no. high school. So it was just like, yeah, there was so much less for us to compare ourselves to. Gosh, digital cameras. And like you like send them to the Walmart photo center and you have <laughs> no idea what's coming back. <laughs> yeah. and Especially get... the disposable ones. Oh, my those. gosh. Yes. Like I have yeah. some that I was going through the other day. and I was like, what even is this? Like. <laughs> I wish we'd had Instagram filters back in the day because, damn. Um, Okay. Number four, charity is not puffed up. Oh, yeah. Do not boast or take glory in yourself. Okay. Consider the words of President Ezra Taft Benson. The antidote for pride is humility, meekness, submissiveness. (gasps) It is the broken heart and the contrite spirit. God will humble, will have a humble people. Either we can choose to be humble or we can be compelled to be humble. Holy shit. Let us choose to be humble. Kelly, we were in a cult. That is straight up cult language. I know. And like I said, you know, in the episode I did, gosh, it's like two years ago. um, I have a Joseph Smith quote on my wrist. Oh, that's right. I do. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's Ether 1227, and it's, like, about um, having your, your weaknesses turned into strengths, like being right. humble. And right. if you're humble, you know, the Lord will bless you, and if he blesses you, he will turn your weaknesses into strengths so that you can help other people. And so being humble is, like, the most important thing. So I never knew, like, if I was ever proud of something, like— I, I had to, I don't know. It was just so twisted. Oh, yeah. I wanted yeah. people to be like, you did a great job, but yet you can't, you, you can't, can't tell them what, what you, you did. Yeah. No. And I, I think that there's like a certain line, as with all of this shit, it's like, sure, there's some, there's some truth to like having humility, especially in certain right. situations. Don't be, don't be super boastful and annoying, but also you should be proud of your accomplishments and you should be able to talk about them and share them and receive praise. Like that's not, it shouldn't be considered something that's looked down on, but it is. And you're supposed to, in the Mormon church anyway, you're not supposed to do that. And then you're just supposed to keep like silently serving and, and doing over and over and over without talking about it, about your accomplishments. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, like if you really dig into that, it's pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I think that might have played a part in, you know, when, when people do succeed and they're proud of themselves, which they fucking should be, <laughs> and they post something on social media, I'm like, God damn it. This fucking sucks. Why can't I succeed? Oh, and, yeah. You know, it kind of turns it. Instead of being happy for these people, I'm jealous or I'm. it makes me feel less about myself oh. because I 
can't brag about those things. And um, oh yeah, all that's that's very complex. It leads into all of the other um, kind of emotions too. Of like, well, I can't be prideful, but then you're also feeling jealous that you can't share your success, and then that leads you into being like, well, I shouldn't feel jealous. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you beat yourself up over it, and you're like, yep. why am I such a dick? <laughs> but uh, <sighs> yeah. So pure love of Christ, not not loving it, not loving no, it. no. Um, charity seeketh not her own. So where, you know, th- it's basically says that you need to be selfless yes, instead of selfish. So like I imagine, Katie, you probably have lots of situations you've been in where you've allowed people to walk all over you because you don't want to be selfish and stand up for yourself. Yeah, no, it- you don't, and uh, yeah, you don't want to stand up for yourself. You don't want to seem like you are taking more than giving. And I don't like confrontation, even oh, like my gosh. now to this yeah. day. Like I've gotten better at setting boundaries and, and healthy communication. But like, yeah, that indoctrination of like, nope, you can't say anything. You have to do everything they ask. Don't say no. And, um, yeah, and, and don't, don't confront people when they, when they harm you, because that's just, you know, it wouldn't, then they say that confrontation is of the devil or something. Right. Like that. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. And, you know, it, it just kind of to go back to my story of, you know, the, the team, um, whenever I would have like, so every year we would get like new helmets and new glasses and new uniforms with different sponsors. And whenever I would get that stuff for myself, I, I was always like, oh, should I can I really justify me getting this? I was a fucking owner. Oh, yeah. And you yeah, you should have just been no question. Right. But yeah. you're, you're questioning whether you're even worth that as a, to oh. receive that. Yeah. Yeah. And I would give away my stuff all the time because I'm like, oh, you know, they they need that more than I do. They That's they lost their sunglasses. So instead of me being like, bitch, you lost your fucking sunglasses. You need to buy your own. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, here, here are mine. Uh, uh, just giving constantly. Yep. Constantly. OK. Charity is also not easily provoked. So you're supposed to. OK, this is this is. This is super fucked up. Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Oh, the 70 times seven. Yeah, we are to continually forgive others, not allowing their, their faults to provoke us to anger or retaliation. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, fuck that. Like, like you don't have to, to be angry or retaliate against somebody to cut them out of your life. I'm sorry. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on you. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Stop I, it. <laughs> not, yeah. I, this is an important thing. Forgiveness is, um, is something that I, you just grow up thinking that that's just what you do. Right. In, in the Mormon church, especially, but I have learned that you don't need to forgive people. people no. That's not anything that, is owed and if you don't you're not at the point to forgive someone even if it's ever you do not have to do that and you especially don't have to do it over and over and over again and we see this in the mormon church with like sexual abuse and that's how they keep getting away with it is because they'll just be forgiven be forgiven be forgiven and it just fucking continues and it pisses me off because you're not obligated to forgive but they tell you you are yeah, like you're not allowed to feel righteous anger, I guess, is, you know, what or I guess they define it as something different. And when it's it's, you know, somebody doing something against the church, that's righteous anger. You're allowed oh, to get right. angry at them. Right. But, yeah. Oh, good point. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> OK, so that's, again, why many of us uh, exmos allow people to treat us kind of like a doormat. I mean, we've been taught our entire life that you have to forgive people repeatedly for the same abuse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So fuck that. Um, And then charity thinketh no evil. So this is funny. I I love it when um, 
when scriptures use this word, let thy bowels (laughs) (laughs) also be full of charity towards all men. You're just shitting out charitable (laughs) thoughts. Shitting out charitable thoughts left and right. You get a charitable thought and you get a charitable thought. (laughs) Relentless shit stream of charitable thoughts. Oh, God. Like oh, it's like irritable bowel syndrome. You just like <laughs> IBS for charity. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that just makes <laughs> that just makes me think like you have to always be liked. Always. always. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this is still something that I struggle with. I like want people to like me so bad, um, but you know, again, learning boundaries. And you don't have to people please all the time. Right. But right. when you grow up in a church that tells you you have to, it's kind of hard to stop doing that. <laughs> well, and, you know, at the end of this lesson, it actually talks about how, um, where'd it go? Like, there are six, oh, Dallin H. Oaks said oh. this. Ugh, Dallin oh. homophobic Oaks yeah. explained that there are six reasons that, that people serve. Number one. They do it because they hope of obtaining an earthly reward. Number two, they desire to obtain good companionship. Like, okay. Three, fear of punishment. Four, sense of duty or loyalty. Mm -hmm. Five, hope of an eternal reward. Or six, pure love of Christ. So unless you're doing it completely right, you're doing it wrong. Uh, Okay. Dylan H. Oaks, I have something to say about this. Because the pure love of Christ that we just covered, it it was motivated by a lot of those things. It was it was motivated by like an eternal reward, an obligation, a duty that you need to do this. And then they're but they're like gaslighting you into saying, well, we didn't just tell you that that is what that is. No, pure love of Christ is just it's a different thing. You're that's a different motivation. Uh, you said you said duty. I'm sorry. <laughs> Duty! Oh my god, we talked about bowels. I'm so sorry. Too much Sarah, so I have to talk about poo. (laughs) I know. I haven't talked about poo on here for weeks. (laughs) We were long due for poo. We were, man. (laughs) Let it flow out like the pure love of Christ. (laughs) (laughs) So that, my friends, is how, like, that can totally fuck you up. Mhm. Yeah, 100%. Constantly and uh I don't serve. Service. I don't I don't think that that's talked about enough because it's like a harder topic to approach because yeah. of course when you say service, no one's going to be like, "Oh yeah, service is so terrible." Because everyone is like on board with service and charity. Good oh, yeah. But then you have to peel back the layers and look at how rotten it is and the way that they teach it in that it's constant and then uh, you, your worth is conditional upon it. Yes. And there's yeah. only one right way to do it, which, you know, he, he lists out all those reasons that people are serving when they're setting you up for that. Yeah. They're setting you up to, to yes. that's your earthly reward. Yes. They're, yeah, exactly. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And another thing I want to say is that I know that there are, Lots of great programs and things that uh, members of the church will do in terms of service. But a lot of the time, at least in my experience, the service projects or activities were centered around church things like Mm -hmm. cleaning the church or doing babysitting so people could go to the temple or something other church related kind of service. Not helping people move. I cannot tell you. Yeah. Yeah, not as much like outside of your your ward or your church. Wow, what a hugely good point. <laughs> so it's like, um, you know, there's lots of people who do service and charity work that's not, you know, it, and then they're not religious, but they kind of claim that it's a religious thing. Like, yeah. you just blew my mind, Katie, because <laughs> like thinking about that, you're right. Like they're so consumed with service towards one another, Mm -hmm. right? You're just Mm -hmm. showing love to your ward family or less actives or whatever. You just love bombing. Mm -hmm. You don't have time 
to to actually serve in your community. No, you, you literally don't have any time left over because you've, you're doing so much nearly every day for your own ward. And that's not even including like your calling, whatever your no. calling is for your ward. So they keep because you Because that's an obligation. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, it makes me feel tired just thinking about it. It really does. I'm uh, like, of course I was a stay-at-home mom because I was busy all the time. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, <sighs> being a mom on its own is insanely busy, but then you add in all that other stuff. It's like, whoa. I that don't... you have to do. Oh, my God. I, Yeah. There's a reason why there are so many Mormon women who are on antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that's freaking hard. Like, there are days when you don't want to get out of bed, but you're yeah. like, I have to, because have to. if I don't, you know, I'm disappointing the Savior. You know, what would the Savior do? And what did he suffer? He suffered worse than me. So whatever I suffer oh my is nothing God. in comparison. What another really good point is that whole comparison of suffering. Uh, like, I... Yep. You know, I talk about all the shit that's happened to me this year, and then I'll look at someone else and I'll be like, they have it so much worse. Why are they not, like, completely broken inside? And then I, I shame myself for, for you know, going through a rough yeah. patch yeah. And, and trying to heal instead of just saying, you know what, this – let's let's process this i'm like okay let's go ahead and and shove that shit into my junk drawer and save it for later which is like what what i've done you know since losing faith in god i i had to find a quote higher power and so my higher power is my junk drawer it's just where yeah. i like shove everything yeah. um that i'm not ready to deal with and then yeah. you know if your junk drawer explodes you got to clean that shit up you can't oh. just keep shoving it in there yeah, at some point it's going to explode, right? Yep. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, the comparison of of grief or of just of anything, of, of suffering, like you said, like, you're allowed to feel, even if you, you know, yeah, this reminds me of, you know, in, in church or other situations where maybe you're going through a really hard time and someone else will say to you, well, look at such and such across the world, they're going through a worse time, and it's like, Okay, but that doesn't help me right no. now. Like, I understand that there's peop- also other people in the world suffering or experiencing loss or grief or whatever, but I'm that doesn't invalidate my feelings and my right. experience. But you feel like you can't speak about it because it's not, quote unquote, as bad as someone right. else. So, so it just adds another layer of shame on yes, more the, shame. the issues that you already have. Oh, um, so, like, yeah, the, the pure love of Christ is not cool. No, it's not Hands, cool. It's one out of ten would not recommend. <laughs> no, no, would not recommend. They do not have good food. Service is terrible. <laughs> yeah, there was a fly in my food. You got to clean people's feet. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, can you? Uh, I don't, uh, don't want to think about it. Crusty toes. Cleaning so. random people's feet. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I just I just want to send everybody just some love and hugs and just say it is okay to not be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's okay to look at this stuff and really kind of process, you know, how fucked up it is. It's validating. Yeah. It it's a way to say, you know what? I'm not this way because, you know, I'm just broken. Like there were things that led to to the the current issues and idiosyncrasies that we all have. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And looking back on them and dissecting them and working through them is really helpful. Like I I truly feel like I had some kind of breakthrough today with you oh. and I wasn't expecting it like I I hadn't really thought about the layers of of trauma that come with these teachings and the layers of shame, but you, yeah. I feel lighter knowing that, Oh, I didn't, I'm not the only one who yeah. experienced this. And then once we realize what it is, we can work through it a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, this, this is applicable to 
all people who, you know, I think that religion kind of puts a lot of a heavy burden on the followers yeah. um, in order to, you know, be good with God to get that green light. Um, you have to, you have to give everything of yourself to everybody else and just ignore who you are because it doesn't matter. Right. But we're here but to say that bullshit. it does matter. Yep. We're here to say that's some bullshit and who you are does matter and you're amazing as you are and you deserve to set boundaries and do things for yourself. Yes. Take care yes. of and yourself. That's actually essential. There's a reason why on the airplane they tell you to put your oxygen mask on first. Yep. Because you're no good to anybody if you're on the floor in your closet thinking about killing yourself. Right. You need it. You need to take care of yourself yep. in order to enrich the lives of other people. And you are so. worth it. Yes. Yes. Oh, Kelly, this episode. Holy shit. What a what a ride. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I love yeah, I, I, I worry like this was hard. Um, it's it's really I have a very, very, very difficult time being vulnerable. But for some weird reason, it's it's easier to do it on this platform, interestingly enough, because um, I just hope that it helps people and not just former Mormons or current Mormons, just like anybody. Just people, because yeah. people struggle with stuff and I'm sure everyone can relate to some degree of that. Yeah, uh, the idea of constantly giving of yourself and being perfect and it's just not attainable. So I, I'm positive. It will help people. So thank you for being vulnerable. Yeah, no problem. Maybe a Kardashian will hear it and I'll win a sweepstakes. <laughs> I'm going to advocate for you. I'll personally email them, okay? Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, friends, we'll wrap this up. But thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.